Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, streaming on Facebook Live and hosted today by our full complement of Gina, Mike, Ed, Ed, and myself, Steve. Um, good afternoon. It's a little hard to say those words after what happened in Texas, but hopefully every day will be a better day than that one. Hey, everybody. Indeed. Hello. How you doing, guys? Okay, I'm going to start with Texas using my executive authority. Um, obviously, everybody's extremely unhappy about it. Obviously, the left is making hay out of it. Um, we'll get our report on the beta affair in a second, probably. Um, obviously, all the talking points are coming out from all sides. Um, do criminals obey laws? Still trying to figure out what an assault weapon is. Apparently, this one looked like an assault weapon. So I guess we're, it looked like an AR. I'm not quite sure what that is. Um, there's those saying that you shouldn't have any more right to a gun than you have to smoke. So I did look up the Constitution, Ed, you're the constitutional authority here, but I couldn't find the right to smoke anywhere in the Bill of Rights. Um, New York State is trying to tighten its gun laws. Now, I figured laws were sort of like my belt. I can only tighten it so far, and I thought it's almost impossible to get a gun license in New York anyway, but they're going to try to do that. And then, of course, the fight over whether there should be armed guards at school and why aren't there. Plus, there's a little talk about how high was the illegal, I don't want to say illegal, people can't be illegal, the undocumented migrants in that, in that area of Texas. I'll throw all of that out there, Gina, since you have the uh, prettiest background, I'll let you comment first. So um, first off, I want to give kudos to the BORTAC officer. So it was a Border Patrol agent that had taken down the assailant yesterday. So kudos to him or her. Um, I've just heard it as him. So BORTAC um, is kind of like the Navy SEALs of the Border Patrol. We've got BORTAC um, and we've also got a special medical unit. So just kudos to them. Um, that's absolutely awesome. And thank gosh, again, there was a good guy with a gun. Um, I mean, it, it was an absolute tragedy. Uh, my heart broke when I heard it. And then my heart <laughs> went from being broken to just, I was sent into disgust listening to our fearless leader, Joe Biden, get up there and start blaming um, everybody for a political agenda again. And that just sickened me. So I went from one right to the other. You, you worked yeah. for Border Patrol, right, Gina? Yes, sir. Now, what was this guy? He just happened to be there. He was. What he was, was probably he was probably there picking up a kid or somewhere close in the area for some picking up a kid, visiting a student for lunch. I don't know why he was there. Um, I can just tell well, you, Uvalde was, is only sixty miles from the border, and it does have a big illegal problem. So, oh, it does. Yes, yeah, and it's about an hour and twenty minutes westish of uh, San Antonio. Yeah, and so, I guess I'm also trying to figure out how in the world you can kill that many people without being stopped, without people getting out of the way. Um, I don't know the physical layout, obviously, but that's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Well, wow. I think I think we're up to 19 now. We were at 14. 19 um, kids, I heard. Right. We were at uh, 14 yesterday when they first reported. Um, they shipped people to San Antonio. They shipped people to a couple of different places. And it would appear that some that were hanging on in critical condition 
um, are the ones that have passed away because yeah, you're up to 19 children, two adults. So he did also take out his grandmother prior um, to going to the school. So I, I don't know. So how, for that do we yet. know how he got in the school at this point? Because I, I have not heard yet. That yet. You know, I mean, first of all, I mean, when I heard it, I, I'm sick to my stomach because, you know, I have I have a 10 year old, a 12 year old, anybody who has kids you know, can relate to that in a sense and, and just be sickened by the thought of it. Um, I've become numb and desensitized to the left on, on this because we know exactly what's going to happen in the aftermath of, of these tragedies and how they're going to take it, try to, you know, score political points uh, with regard to it. But look, you know, my, my kids' elementary school, we have a police presence every day at drop-off and pick-up. Um, there's a secure door you can't get in without you know, while school's in session, at least, you, you have to use the intercom at the front door, then you're not going to get in without it. So, I mean, there are some uh, measures that can be taken, which are wholly logical and sensible that I don't understand why some of these school districts haven't apparently taken. At least I'll tell like. you why right now, Mike. And one of the big things, because we were discussing it earlier, is so even though you've got those doors that you have to be buzzed in and all that, there's usually a layer of glass that can be broken real easy unless the schools are investing okay. in bulletproof glass. That's something that they okay, can but, do. But that should trigger an alarm where the school should be able to have secured doors on every classroom. Right, but a lot down. don't. A lot don't. I mean, and the reason I mean, there are things that could be done. There, there are things that can get done. And some of the reasons it's not getting done is, for example, here in our county, we had just asked for our, our school district asked for $500,000 for resource officers. And our county commissioners just denied it about a week and a half ago, yet gave themselves a $50,000 raise while they told us uh, no. So we've got a meeting coming up that we will be going because our commissioners yeah. didn't think that it was worth doing that in our schools when it right. very much so is needed. Well, listen, the, the local public high school here definitely is going to have a police presence at all times. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're the going to have e officers, either yeah. either a retired police officer. Um, there's certain categories that they, they use, but there will be a permanent police presence at the yeah, high school. But this should be going on e everywhere. At this point. Well, I realize things... it, it costs money, but that's something as taxpayer. If my kids had school, I'll, I'll gladly pony right. up for that. Well, and that's the things that simple things that we can do as far as having clear backpacks, you know, putting cameras throughout that school's major. So we just had a kid at our one high school here um, was in the locker rooms and going through lockers and just stealing a crap load of money. And he sold over a thousand dollars within two days. And nobody had a clue until they caught him red handed. And then, you know, he had ended up sending a message on Snapchat or whatever. But like there was no cameras, you know, and I'm not saying have cameras where kids are changing, but have something where you can see who's coming in who's going out if i can do my whole home for three hundred dollars with the ring doorbell for goodness sake there are precautions no seriously there's precautions you can put in place you know and not in metal detectors why not our courthouses i mean everywhere has them why not I yeah um you know i don't have kids but when i was a kid um <laughs> uh, long we went, long ago we went to uh you know, we, we put on uh, plays and shows and stuff. I remember one play, we had uh, four mock firearms in the, you know, one sketch had a, a pistol and another sketch had a rifle and another sketch had a, you know, one of those old timey 
uh, pistols and uh, nobody, nobody thought anything of it. Um, you know, I think that uh, this is a cultural thing, not, you know, there's, there's not a lot you can do with a def purely defensive, uh, a purely defensive approach because uh, you can make the doors um, strong and then, but then what are you going to do? Not have any windows? Um, I, you know, it's just, I, I think it's a, it's a cultural thing and I, I it's hard, you know, when you have, uh, like I, I asked, uh, you know, we had no security when I went to the high school and I was at the high school a few years ago and they have six security people, six ex-cops there, none of them armed, by the way. So that means that if someone armed came in the school, they will lead the charge to run away from the guy with the gun. Um, I just, I don't know whether there's anything that can be done. Well, listen, I mean, I don't think you're ever going to be able to eradicate evil. That's what we're talking about. Or, or people being psychopaths, right? We understand that. But I don't think that means that you can't take some steps. You can't put precautions, like it's Mike not about, said. It's not about eradicating evil. It's about having policies in place that are actually exacerbating evil. I mean, you're you're disarming populations and leaving them subject to to these kinds of of situations. Well, I mean, I mean, unless you unless you're going to take every gun away from every American, there are going to be guns out there and you have no if you don't have armed teachers and armed security guards in the building, you're not going to have a good guy to, with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun. That's the that's the yeah. solution. You need good guys with guns. But let the teacher it. let the teachers carry. Pay for them to do a concealed carry if they want to carry. Let them carry. But resource off. We can put every precaution in place. Just like if you were to go rob a store, if there is a guard, an armed guard outside, and then there's a store next door without that guard, which one are you going to go into? You're gonna go right. where you, it's more. You're gonna go where it's more vulnerable. If he would have known coming in that he was gonna get picked off right away. Well, I mostly agree with that, Gina, but I mean, you're not, you're not factoring in the, the level of mental illness that's involved in a lot of these shootings. I don't think that mm -hmm. mentally ill people are making those kinds of cost benefit calculations. Maybe on a, some level they are, but I, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not, but I, I mean, I just, I don't think that mentally ill people are, are making that kind of cost benefit analysis. Um, no I'm going to go they, with there's mentally ill and there's mentally ill and the people who don't make that cost benefit analysis may be crazy enough to get off on insanity versus the psychopath in my short stint working in a prison and we used to ask them straight up would you go into a house if there was a chance they had a gun and they were like Are you crazy no way well, that's um, the thing most of them will i mean most of them will they may be crazy but they're not stupid um but but you know, again they don't know the difference between good and evil, right? I mean, that's no, they the, don't know the difference or they don't care the difference between yeah. good and evil or they want to be heroes. But the point is, they're not stupid. They, they, they don't want to get shot. No, a lot of these are, are very planned out. They're, I mean, it's not like a spur of the moment thing. I think one they of the about, issues they thought about it and they planned it. And, and, and why is it that they're so often choosing to go to these schools? There's obviously a reason. for so that The one thing, the one thing I want to ask here is shouldn't, like, like my grandchildren go to private schools in New Jersey and there are armed guards. And yes, I realize armed guards can be killed, et cetera, but there is some deterrence standing there. But shouldn't every parent have the right to decide I will only send my kid to a public school with armed guards 
where I will only send my kid to a public school that doesn't have armed guards? Shouldn't every district be- The left only believes in freedom to choose when it comes to abortion. Okay, and that, that is the answer. But I think as a parent, that should be our minimum right to say, you know what? If you won't arm the guard, the teachers in this school, then you get to send my kid to another district that will and let it be district by district and people will sort themselves out. The idea that you have no control over your children being unprotected is to me what's so unbelievably scary because they're really other than armed teachers or at least the threat of armed teachers. I can't think of any way to stop it. No, I mean, the, the thing is that when, you know, again, when we were kids, the, the, um, there was a very proactive attempt to identify troubled youth and, and attempt to deal with them in some way. I think that uh, in a lot of ways, the industrialization of the schooling, which has gone on, uh, especially in cities of just, they don't care anymore. I mean, there's no, there's no way to care, you know? And so I, 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 you have to have a defense in depth. In other words, you can't just say arm the teachers and and have armed guards. Nothing wrong with that. I'm totally in favor of that. that, Exactly. But there's got to be some sort of a a defense in depth. There has to be cameras. There have to be uh, mechanisms for, you know, an intelligence agency to try and look at and see who the troubled kids are and try to, you know, um, get out in front of these things. Um, uh, There has to be, you know, hard points, ways to lock the schools down, you know, there has to be a defense in depth, but even then um, it'll, it would be very hard to, you know, prevent these sorts of horrible things from happening. I, I just, uh, you know, well, you know, Ed, but, but, the, go ahead. The, 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 the change in emphasis on finding troubled youth, I think, you know, to, to go to one of the themes of our show, I think it, it goes back to the, to the libertarians and especially a guy named Thomas Saz. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Who who basically made the argument in the, starting in the 70s and 80s that that uh, you know uh, mental health institutions were criminal were were you know were prosecuting people for crimes that they weren't convicted of, and that they sh- that nobody should be held against their will in, in a mental institution. Now his and point was it, there's no such thing as mental illness. That was wasn't he a psychiatrist? Was, yeah. yeah so why are we blaming it on libertarians? Why don't we just blame it on psychiatrists? That was the that was the impetus of the movement, and I mean, he found he found willing willing ears, you know, on on the conservative side who wanted to, you know, stop spending money on these institutions, and on the liberal side that wanted to release dangerous people to the public. So, and indeed, he had a lot of effect because, um, you know, I've shown this chart before, but the number of people in mental institutions dropped precipitously after, uh, you know, this idea came into the fore back in the 60s and 70s. And correspondingly, the number of people in prison went, you know, way up. And it's almost exactly correlated one to the other. And Saz still has a big following in the libertarian, you know, heard of reason magazine it's a big it's sort of the most famous libertarian magazine um they're all over there's no such thing as mental illness and i gotta tell you something um having worked in prisons i also did emergency psych evals for a number of years in new jersey and in maryland and this is a really really tough issue the way it was set up in new jersey was i was specifically trained i had a little card in my wallet and a psychiatrist could not but i could sign you to be locked up for 24 hours and the police had to come and take you. 
to hold you more than 24 hours, you needed a psychiatrist and me, but I literally could walk over to you on the street and say, guess what? You're going to the hospital. I call 911 and they had to take you on my signature. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of power. And I, the whole thing, outpatient commitment laws, that's just a really, really tough issue. I don't know the answer to it. Yeah, uh, 72 the libertarians, hours. The libertarians made that argument that that was just an improper power for the government to have. It's a very, I, I find it to be a very, very tough issue. And by the way, as we all said, they're going to get out sooner or later. And should you force medication on people? I, I don't have a great answer to it. And I'm uncomfortable with both sides. Now, I want to mention also um, John Nolte, I believe is how you pronounce it, and Breitbart actually went so far. I would not go this far as saying the Democrats don't want armed guards in schools because they'd rather this happen. Well, that's you know, certainly that's true. About a lot of issues, I hate going there. Um, it's a very, very sad thing to say. And I'll make one more comment about this and I'll let you guys finish up the issue, or I'll try to anyway. Why do we care so much about the 19 children who were killed by this, but we don't care about the hundreds of thousands that Fauci killed? That who killed? Fauci, Fauci, Anthony Fauci. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, hundreds, well, hundreds of, hundreds at least of killed. Uh, or the millions of babies killed, that are killed uh, by the vaccine. Or the millions of babies. And it is interesting that, and I've, trust me, I don't feel very good about these 19 children, but it is interesting how those deaths are, you know, Chicago in a week or two. And we don't make such an issue out of it. And that's just so sad as well. So, again, so, I don't think there's any way to stop this without a cultural change. Um, is cultural change different parenting? Should we talk about that? Yeah. Or shouldn't even go there. It's it's no, more no. than it's more than parenting. So culture parenting has been, well, but it, it's, it's society as a whole. And I've said this before, we have no moral compass. Games where you kill people, rap music that is like, hey, let's glorify the gun bangers, boom, 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 whatever. The drugs, all of it, until parents take that crap out of their homes, all of us take it out of our homes and say, get that filth, you're not normalizing that in my home. Why do you think it's so easy for people to go out and do it? The devil has used all of this, and I'm sorry, but this is a, a demonic realm that we're fighting. And he's using people like this kid here who is flipping sick. So now he was talking to a girl in Germany. Have you guys just seen this? So he was talking to a girl in Germany over the last two weeks. He told her, I'm going, or I just shot my grandmother and I'm going to shoot up the elementary school. So it was planned. This wasn't just like mental breakdown. Like he's one of these weird gamer crazy people who knows what he has been privy to and we just allow it we allow it as a society and our kids have become so flipping accustomed to all of it can i I'm just, just gonna go on one about the cultural huh go ahead steve let me just go one more angle and i hate going down this road as well but parents used to have ways i hate to use the d word but you went ahead and used the d word i'll use a d word there was one that stood for discipline Mm-hmm. And especially in minority communities, the discipline was possibly even harsher than in the majority communities. And then the state invented this idea that we have to protect children from their parents' discipline. And I think that was very part of it. I'll tell you a quick Don't story. spare the rod, right? I will tell you a funny story. Um, it's, it's years enough back, and it left a deep impression on me. This is more than 30 years ago. And part of my job as an intern for social work was supervising parolees. And I had a parolee who was out, I guess he was out on armed robbery rape. I don't think he had murder charges. And he had a girlfriend 
who had a 13-year-old daughter. And the 13-year-old daughter did something, and he spanked her. And she said, I'm going to call the cops. And he said, go for it. And the cops came, and he showed them that he's on parole. And the cops said, good for you. Now, <laughs> whether I'm totally on that side or not totally on that side, but there was a time where discipline was allowed. And I think we've broken that down totally into a very big extent, departments of youth and children's services, so that those who would like to discipline their children, I can't even imagine doing these types of things. Okay. So I think it's a total breakdown of all the threats. Was that the case with this kid, though? I mean, from what I had heard, his parents weren't there. You know, and a lot of times, a lot of times these, these it's often male teenagers or young adults that are doing this don't have a father figure around at all. Yeah, well, I don't want to use the other D word is in Democrat policies to get rid of fathers. I, I think it's. Yeah, awful. I mean, there's, yeah. So, there's so much to this. It's hard to <clears throat> touch on all of it. I mean, there's clearly a big cultural problem as to why we've got people, young people being so disaffected, feeling like their life is worthless, you know, that. They would get to this point. An, I don't. I don't know. I, Just like I think there's another angle to the cultural problem. I I agree with everything that you guys have said, but you know, think about what the schools are. They are essentially minimum security prisons that indoctrinate kids with with communism and and all sorts of terrible things that you know that teach victimhood. And and in the last two years, they've also you know imposed uh, COVID restrictions masks on your faces, masks on your breathing. I mean, is it really that shocking that, that kids are, are snapping and, and having mental issues? I mean, I'm not trying to apologize yeah. for them and I'm not trying to say it's you know, snap, snapping anything, before COVID. I mean, when you're talking about cultural, I mean, I think, well, I mean, the, the COVID stuff is, is in the last two years, but I, know. I mean, they, you know, they've, you know, the schools are run like minimum security prisons. You can't leave, you know, you're watched all the time. Um, you're forced to be there. You know, when you're there, they're teaching you a lot of garbage and mental, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, socially yeah. unacceptable things. I mean, especially especially for a young man, you know, I mean, to be taught that you're a victim, to be taught that, you know, individualism is bad and, and you have to blend your way into the collective. I mean, that's not what boys need to be taught. That's not what boys want are supposed to grow up as. But he didn't he wasn't even like. But he was, he, he wasn't a boy. He was wearing skirts and identifying as transgender. Like there's all different kinds of stuff. I mean, there, well, there was part something- of the mental illness stuff. Well, that's I mean, part I mean, of the I, mental- Has that been confirmed, by the way? I hadn't heard that it was confirmed that he was trans. Well, the pictures of him with the trans flag and wearing the skirts, those have been confirmed. Those really? those were there. Um, but you know well, what? That means it's our fault because we're not good enough to those people. Well, no, but he, the thing is, is like, we can't even say it's just cultural here. I mean, and we can't use guns because people, there's tons of murders with flipping knives all across Europe and the Middle cars. East. Cars. Cars, bombings, pipe bombs. Look at years ago. Here we had all these pipe bombers, these young kids going across the United States using pipe bombs. And what does the news do? The news says, oh, here's the ingredients. You can get them right at Ace Hardware. Here's your list of what it took that they made to make these pipe bombs. So guess what? All these crazy numbnuts went and bought the list that the stupid local news stations were putting out and went to their local Ace Hardware. Or Ace Hardware. I mean, it's guns are not the problem. Up here is the flipping problem, 100%. Okay, I'm going to go to another cultural issue, um, another hot button issue. I know we have various uh, religions and 
levels of religiosity represented here, but I want to talk about Nancy Pelosi and the mm. Archbishop and her telling the Archbishop basically he doesn't know what he's doing. And then, of course, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi told, yeah, Whoopi had put not her. That's the Archbishop's job. So, is this all part? Not that I'm going to advocate necessarily for a religion or a specific religion, but is this total disrespect for even religious authority and what part of this cultural problem? A hundred percent. And then as Whoopi said that, listening to the people in the audience applaud to it, like, like that's not his job. Yeah, it's a hundred percent his job. Like 100%. He's over that council of churches. You numb nut. God, she's dumb. But anyway, but yeah, you listen to them applaud it. Like she's saying something brilliant. Like you just said the dumbest thing anybody could flipping say. But yeah, no. It, because there know. used to be authority and the church had authority and, and, you know, other religious institutions may have authority and the whole right and wrong. And I get it. You could be an atheist and believe in morals and authority. But I see the church as one um, area of authority that is just so broken down and so mocked as yes. to have the guts to say that. Well, if the church would stand up and like fight to put prayer right. back in the schools and all kinds of crap that they just let go for no flipping reason, like that whole separation of church and state bull crap, that was to keep the state out of the church, not the other way around. And since that has happened, I'm sorry, but our society has gone down and down and down. And maybe if they took their heads out of their colon, they would realize that. My God, these people are idiots. I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. All right. I'd like a passionate answer from somebody, please. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the destruction of the family, which which started back in the 60s with with welfare and with the Thomas Sass and with a bunch of other aspects, you know, um, including abortion and, and no fault divorce and and all of these things. I think that um, I think that all adds up to unparented kids or kids who are quote unquote parented by other kids. Yeah. But that comes back to everything that like are the God given things from the Bible, for example, that teach like marriage is between one man, one woman, there's not supposed to be divorce. Like if things would have happened and stayed the certain way and kids were taught that we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have well, people about, thinking that abortions were like cool beans, man. Forget about marriage. One man, one woman, whatever happened to that oldie, but goodie thou shalt not murder. And amen amen for me steve amen you know i was kind of happy when the archbishop finally had the guts to say she can't have communion which should have always been said as far as i understand it as a religious authority and i don't like it in my religion anymore when people let people flaunt things publicly and get away with it and then for the other people in dc to just so without any shame at all no problem we'll ignore all of church teaching because we like going to parties and stuff it, I just see it as just breakdown of authority. Um, words from our atheists. I mean, breakdown of authority. I mean, they're all about authority. They just think that they're the authority and you have to listen to them. I mean, they're not opposed to authority. They just are opposed to submitting to authority. Okay, well they then I'll, they are bring the authority. In, I'll bring in Hebrew national hot dogs. <laughs> A higher authority. And, and somebody like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and Senator Kane and all these people, there was a time where at least officially they pretended they believed in a higher authority. I mean, JFK, I don't know what, you know, he wasn't much of a Catholic in many areas, but at least pretend 
that you're subservient to the Pope? Well, Pelosi is pretending. I mean, she's trying to couch her her all the things that she's objecting to in in terms of the Bible. She she defended abortion this week on the grounds that it helps, uh, you know, the the poor and the needy. Um, and she cited the, I forget the the Bible verse, but she cited a Bible verse for it. Um, she took a verse her, out of con- uh, she took a verse know? out of context to push her narrative to make something right. Just so like not- all, she took it out of context. Just like sure. all these ones that are like, hey, let's take it out of text to say transgender bishops are can okay. I, can I say that, no. that like, um, Come how on. many of us would would happily, for all his flaws, vote for JFK? Over the clowns we have today. Oh my God! I think my I take I, I, I take Bill Clinton right now. <laughs> Sign no, me up but, for JFK. But Steve, listen what you said. You said they have no authority for the Pope. The Pope's not even doing what he's supposed to. Uh, do. Yeah, I know. Remember you when know, it so, used to be a joke when he used to end a conversation with, "Is the Pope Catholic?" Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> I mean, the Pope is the most woke. Pope is woke. woke oh, a hundred percent. Just, you know, I, so why would anybody listen to what anybody else is saying when their highest authority is? Oh, I mean, gosh, listen, I, mean, I don't know the state of the Catholic Church today. My understanding is it's, you know, there aren't that many religious Catholics left. But what do you tell your Catholic? Church well, well, my I have a Catholic Nancy friend Pelosi. and I, I asked him, you know, whether the Pope is a heretic. And the, he, no, but he what do you tell your child when somebody like Pelosi uh, and Biden just blow away church doctrine? Uh, listen, I mean, the, the Catholic Church did a lot of damage to itself, right, when it came to all the child abuse stuff. And I, I think it's still hurting them today. They're still paying off lawsuits today. It's why so many of these Catholic schools have closed over the years, right? They can't, they can't afford to keep them open. So it's kind of, it, it's a little sad. It's, it's scary, you know. I think what the Archbishop of San Francisco did was completely in line with his authority. It's completely in line with what his job is. And the objections are just sour grapes from her. You know, she just wants to, she doesn't want anyone. She doesn't believe that anyone has the right or the power to tell her no. And that's, you know, goes back to, she doesn't think so either. Does she, you know, whichever one of the founders said, this is only going to work for a moral and virtuous people or whatever. John Adams. If there's no higher authority. For our religious and moral people and will be of no use to anyone else. And I think this is part of it. We just don't, there is no higher authority. Again, you know, I am a man of the cloth. There's some value to be said in having some kind of higher power that you answer to, whether it's a tree or a group or whatever, just a little bit of humility. Not like, well, I don't care what the archbishop says. How about if she would just say, you know what? In this area, I don't, I'm not in keeping with the church's teaching. Okay, no problem. And be, being, uh, being refused communion is a small punishment in, in a way. But it's public. What, and, what could be done. And what, some there's people. something related to this. Lauren Southern, who you may know, she, she uh, had a, a serious, she gets death threats all the time like everybody who's probably who are you talking about lauren southern but she got a, a real serious death threat a verifiable death threat from an american she's a canadian american and the rcmp you know investigated it and uh, contacted the fbi and the fbi's response was like yeah why don't you just block them on twitter um so it, again there is a there is a law enforcement 
don't want to do their job, especially with federal law enforcement. They, they, they're, they're focusing on, on certain aspects, uh, you know, all of that uh, white extremist, you know, terrorism that's going on. And they just don't pay any attention to any of the any other possible threat. Um, they're just not interested. They're absolutely not interested in doing their job. I mean, we saw at Parkland, the school, uh, you know, school resource officer, the, the armed guard, he hid in his car. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, he wants his pension, right? They're not soldiers. They're not, you know, cops don't want to work, most of them. So it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard. All right, I'll let somebody else pick a topic. Mm, let's see, we need to have a dice that we can roll with different topics on it. Well, behind you, you seem to have like things that could almost be dice, so. <laughs> All right, what's anybody got? I got lots, but I'm just trying to be nice. Tell us what you got, Steve, tell us what you got. Um, primaries yesterday. Ooh, yay. How, how, so, you, how bad is it that Kemp won? Um, how bad is it that Raffensperger won? That, that one's a tough That's one. bad. That's really tough. And, and why is this? Why is there not an uproar? Um, and I assume he's also a four-year term? Yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene won. Yeah. NTG. But not just one, but got over 70%. Which is phenomenal. Mm. That's one area of the state. But the state itself, I, I'm pretty disappointed in that. Yeah, I thought Purdue was actually going to do a lot better. I didn't think he was actually going to win, but I thought he would get a lot better <laughs> than he did. He got crushed. He got killed. Rhino 100%. versus Rhino. Who cares? Yeah. Um, and we have the same discussion. And you always agree. Get rid of the incumbent. Huh? Get rid of the incumbent when all else is equal. Get rid of the incumbent. Yeah, but I mean, David Perdue is the former senator. I mean, he's hardly an outsider. I mean, he's the same swamp as as Kemp is. I don't think it would have made a difference. It would have made a difference because people have to pay. Um, you know, we're we're by well, origin, we we kind of originate in New Hampshire, the Liberty Block, obviously. And I don't know how much you're following, but what's going on up there is just amazing. So, you know, we had Melissa on a couple of weeks ago and she's been all over the airwaves about these phenomenal pro-freedom bills that they've passed out of the House and the Senate. And um, Mr. Sununu just vetoed the bill that would have prohibited schools districts from mandating masks. And there is an unbelievable, unbelievable uproar. And he may or may not veto another parental rights bill. And my point being that at a certain point, if you keep reelecting somebody for doing this, you need to just stop complaining that he's doing this. You need to say, well, let me no. take a flip side, though. I mean, at least in Georgia, I mean, I, we can talk about New Hampshire as well. But in Georgia, I see that I see the Kemp destruction of, of Purdue as a repudiation of Trump and Trump's endorsements. And I think that's actually a good thing. I think Trump's endorsements are not have not been very good. And he's not helping. He's not helping the Republican Party right now. So. In, this, in the sense that Raffensperger and, and Kemp winning is a repudiation of Trump, I think that's actually a good, a good thing, especially Kemp's win by 30 plus points. Um, you're um, 100% I don't right. mind repudiating Trump. I think Raffensperger is repudiating some other stuff. And um, I think I'd rather repudiate Trump in Pennsylvania 
Well, and I would too. And, and I mean, I hear you, but if there were, if there were good alternatives to, to them, if there were good solid conservatives running against the two of them, sure. I would have been more all in on them, but you were talking about one rhino versus another. It doesn't. So really... what did you think about Pence's endorsement of Kemp? Don't care. Okay. Pence's Pence's. I don't care about Pence. No, apparently, I don't think he has a future. Yeah. Some people are saying right. the primaries in Georgia are also open to Democrats. Which also gets back sure. to how do we let that happen? Well, here's the thing. Would Purdue have been able to beat Stacey Abrams? So is it a good thing that I Kemp think anyone won? should be able to beat Stacey Abrams? I mean, she's not mm. a serious person. I mean, well, she's serious, serious about being governor. <laughs> Still it, she it, doesn't, it doesn't help to attack your own state the way she did it. Right. You, you would hope it doesn't, but, but who knows? <laughs> um, and I mean, I can't even imagine. I, yeah. I mean, Although, Democrats, you know, Democrats listen, attack America every time they, run, they campaign. So yeah. the fact that they're a major political party that control the presidency, the Senate and the House, I mean, obviously it's not a, a death knell. Granted, if I ran in New Jersey, you could probably find a quote or two of me bashing New Jersey. So, so can you imagine if instead of <laughs> Biden and Kamala, it could be worse? We could have Beto and Stacey Abrams. Oh, I think yeah. I think the number three person. I think the number three person in the Democratic Party is Gavin Newsom. I really do. I think he's got the money. I think he's got the backing. And yes, I know the five of us think Gavin Newsom. He's nuts. But I, I really do think that he's the guy in the wings waiting for Biden to drop out because he's old and stupid and Kamala to drop out because she can't put a sentence together. And I, I really, think they're going to try and take Roy Cooper here from NC. And I think Stacey Abrams would be the, the vice president under, the, under those circumstances. God almighty. I don't think Stacey <laughs> can manage the money like Newsom can. Newsom's plugged into all those tech companies and whatnot. I, Pelosi's nephew. Yeah, Pelosi's nephew. Pelosi's plugged in all the money. I, I honestly think uh, it's it's Gavin Newsom. You, know, you think watch out for him in 2024? Yes, I think it's his to lose in 2024, the nomination. To be honest, I mean, I, I know we all think that's crazy because he's. I, he's, I don't think it's crazy. I just don't see him winning yeah. that with as many people have fled California. He's got the radicals are the only ones that can bring that vote to him are the I, radical. He's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of money, but there's not that many radical progressives that are going to vote for him. Go back to 2020. There were several billionaires that ran for the Democrat nomination that all flamed out. Money is important, but it's not the end all be all. Because you yeah. have to get that. You have to get those moderate, moderate Democrats out. You have to. Otherwise, you're not going to win because most of your unaffiliateds are going to go to the I, right. I, I think you're mistaken. What you have to do is you have to get like um, Biden did. You have to get the black vote in South Carolina, which means you have to get the. Um, what's not going to get the Clyburn. black vote from South Carolina. Yeah, there, there's not going to be a Bernie running next time either. So, I mean, he, he was the only real threat till they all decided to coalesce around Joe. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see a Gavin Newsom getting the nomination. I could. Anybody old enough to remember when a guy from Arkansas didn't have a chance? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you never know. All right. If you guys, um, I guess there's one more serious topic that's related, and Ed, you're the legal scholar here. This fight between McCormick's lawyers and the RNC in Pennsylvania, which is, I heard about, you know, Bannon 
interviewed McCormick's lawyer and Bannon was actually a little bit upset at McCormick's lawyer saying, wait a minute, you're arguing the opposite of what you argued the last cycle around about these ballots, whether they're kosher or not. You following this, Ed? No, I haven't seen that story. So So McCormick is apparently, he wants them to be counting absentee ballots that weren't dated. And he's arguing that they were totally legal and we want all legal ballots counted. And Bannon is saying to him, wait a minute, they weren't filled out the way the law says they're supposed to be filled out. But apparently another court in another race in Pennsylvania had already overruled the legislature and said, we don't care that the legislature said they're not kosher, we're gonna take them anyway. And this is becoming, and, and Ronna McDaniel has gotten involved. Apparently the RNC is fighting against McCormick on this saying we have to stick to election integrity, quote unquote. I don't know where this is gonna end. Apparently it has to be resolved before the mandatory recount. And I'm not sure if the Republicans are standing up for their own integrity or shooting themselves in the foot. Frankly, I don't really care which one of them wins, but I think Republican versus Republican over election integrity may have a bunch of ramifications. There's a goose gander thing too, right? I mean, if they're going to do it in favor of the Democrats, then you know you got to kind of be consistent. But obviously, the courts have no role in elections, and therefore, whatever the law says should go. Well, courts have whatever they say they have, don't they? <laughs> well, that's only because yeah. We're well, I mean, I'm, I'm, go ahead. Go ahead, Gina. I was just going to say, I'm glad to see Ronna McDaniel standing up for the right thing. So at the local state levels for all of the Republican uh, parties, that has been a huge thing that we have pushed out all across the country, but is election integrity, because that's what our voter base is most concerned with, 100%, because a lot aren't going to go vote until they see that there has been changes to what happened last time. Like they don't, we lost a lot of voters um, due to election integrity issues from 2020. So good on her for doing that, even if it doesn't necessarily put the candidate in that some want, at least she's doing the right thing. Okay, so Gina, you're on the ground, so to speak. mm -hmm. And are you finding that people on the ground want more fight pro-voter integrity? Oh, heck yeah, 100%. But the national 100%. Republicans either don't care or stymie it. Well, they they so last for the 2020 cycle, they were far behind. We'll just say that. So they didn't have all the lawyers ready. They didn't have, you know, every poll watched it. it we were on the offense instead of being on the defense ahead of time. So something that has been promoted um, was having poll observers everywhere. Do Like we had just in our county, we had an additional um I want to say 60 people that took the integrity training, the poll observer training. So we had people out watching. We have now what are called war rooms that are set up. So if anybody sees something funky going on at any of the board of elections across the state, for example, there's lawyers on standby ready to talk. And that is all funded by the RNC. So they are doing what the constituents want, which is to make sure that there are fair and free elections and that they are following the law. So yes, they're doing very good. Go ahead. I'm glad to hear that Rona McDaniel's standing up for for election integrity. But to me, the the choice between McCormick and Oz is is only moderately better than the choice between Purdue and Kemp. I mean, McCormick is bad and, and Oz is worse. I mean, to me, the candidate I wanted to see win in that race was Barnett. Uh, she didn't win. 
I do think McCormick would be better than, than Oz. I, I think Oz is a horrible candidate, but I, I just can't get motivated in, in the, the debate between the two of them or the, the proposed recount. Or, I mean, I know that it was under a thousand vote difference last I looked, but I, I mean, that's probably why I've missed that story, Steve, because frankly, I don't really care <laughs> don't, which of the two of them. Frankly, my them. dear. I don't care which one of them is, is the nominee. I don't think either right. one of them is going to really represent my values too well. Um, I think either one of them is very likely to sell my values out. Right. Um, but, you know, that's, no, yeah. that's why I only bring it up in terms of the RNC pretending at least to care about election integrity and how it's going to be used for or against them. And but the are they are they pretending to be in favor of election integrity to, to fool the base or is it that they that they want the worst candidate. I mean, the, the, the Republican Party always seems to want the, the worst of the, of the candidates. And I think at, me, the, at the grassroots level, they want just the yes. right thing to happen. hundred percent. Right. But not Ronda McDaniel. What does she care? I mean, there's a total yeah. breach between, between the Republican Party and its base. I mean, the Republican Party, if anything, is making war on its base. But I'm talking about the, the establishment Republican Party, the, the leadership. They, they are always... For the worst candidate they're always for the worst policy they're always for capitulation to the democrat agenda and so i you know when i hear what's going on there i mean my first thought is well oz is worse than mccormick so let's come up with whatever argument we can to defend oz and oh it isn't it great if just by chance that best argument also placates our base too well wait sean hannity helped them isn't that enough that's not enough for you no, that's not that's not even good for me. <laughs> yeah, I would say I, I can't say Oz is Trump's worst endorsement. It's the worst one that comes to my mind. So <laughs> he's got a pretty long list of bad ones. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like surround himself with good people. I didn't like his nomination for Ted Bud personally, but his it is what it is. Endorsement, you mean? Yeah. Sorry, I don't even know what I just said, but yes. <laughs> Did you catch the story that they're now saying the census was rigged against the Republicans? That's not fake news. That's old news, isn't it? Yeah. But something just came out about it. There's, I believe a couple of uh, Republicans were... Uh, Republican seats in Congress were shortchanged because of it. Something just came out about it. Right. Something about Florida and Texas, I think. Yeah, seats that they were supposed to get. And again, it speaks to uh, Uncle Joe, who I believe is the one who was credited with saying it, not in English. Doesn't matter who votes; it matters who counts the votes. Well, what it's, about Uncle, uh, you know, Justice Roberts, who threw out Trump's attempt to, you know, to, you know, not count illegals in the census? Yeah, and speaking of uh, Uncle John, has anybody heard the uh, decision that wasn't released this week? <laughs> I was waiting for that. I wonder if they're rewriting parts of it to make it a little harsher. Harsher? Yeah. What, you think that the five are going to stick to their guns and not be browbeaten by Roberts? Yes, I think it's, if anything, the, the delay to me doesn't, I mean, you know, anything could happen and I certainly could be wrong, but I don't think it's an indication that they're intimidated. I think it's an indication that they're tightening their arguments and they're going to make the argument stronger and more forcefully rather than weaker and diluted. Boy, do I hope you're right. I think it's Roberts using every second of every minute of every hour of every day, trying to come up with a way to rewrite 
English again and somehow salvage this. I hope you are right. That's a logic. I mean, just we'll see. I mean, probably in the next, you know, four weeks we'll know. No, <laughs> probably by the end of June, and they'll, you know, give it out on Friday afternoon when everybody's on their way out of town or something. I just, uh, yeah. The no, Supreme Court no. doesn't sit on Friday, so I doubt that. Okay, well then Thursday. And, and they also don't do it in the afternoon. It's always first thing in the morning. It'll come yeah. out at like nine thirty or ten o'clock. Okay, right. And Ed Powell, I got a question for you. Because I'm assuming you are following it in depth. Um, the world, what is it? The world finance. Oh gosh, I just had a brain fart. World, world Economic, Economic Forum. Forum. World Economic own, Forum. Yes. Yeah, so police force. Apparently. Wow. And okay, I thought so you were going to say Johnny Depp, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Johnny <laughs> Amber Heard. Yeah, who knew the World Economic <laughs> Forum had their own police force? That no, was, they said they don't have their own police force. The Swiss police who get to wear WF patches. That was the latest story I heard. Ah, yes. So do you have All any I updates for what's like, happening you know, over there? If the patch says U.S. Army, I assume they're U.S. Army. If the patch says World Economic Forum Police, I assume they're World Economic Forum Police. Yeah, well. Apparently, you know, and they they arrested uh, Jack Posobiec and, and, uh, detained. and, and uh, you know, detained him for an hour or so until another uh, journalist started... Um, live streaming it and then they decided well this is turning into a fiasco and they let him go uh, i don't think uh pozo was doing anything particularly wrong i think he was just sitting you know having a uh, a drink at a, a table in a cafe outside but um you know it's funny because these guys have been doing this for years and years but it's only recently i think in the trump era that uh, people have gotten awake to the fact that that these guys are, are are really bad guys, and I think the um, they've come come out of the closet a little bit, especially with uh, Klaus Schwab's um, book, The Great Reset, right? And how to take COVID and make it, you know, a reset for climate change or or whatever. And you know, it's a it's it according to I have not read it, but according to Lauren, um, it's basically unreadable it's just you know one platitude after another after another and uh so but you know it's on amazon you can buy it and it sort of tells you what they're interested in they're kind of out there and uh i think now that it's well known i think they're going to draw uh, crazies as well as journalists and i don't think either of them knows apparently anybody can go um, you have to, but you have to jump, jump through some hoops and pay a lot of money. I think it, it someone said it, it costs a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars to like go. That's what you have to, and that, that's even if you fly coach to Switzerland. So it's, uh, they definitely keep it exclusive through money, but um, it's a weird group of people. That's for sure. How, how big a story is this monkeypox thing? Uh, it's not at all big. Mm. You know, somebody mostly sexually transmitted through unprotected anal sex, right? Because the, I didn't ask how, how big is this is the disease? How yeah. big is the story? Is it really that they want it out there to scare people with the new one? Is I, mean, I think there's there's a scare issue for it. I, the funniest thing in the week was um, someone asked, you know, it's, it's a sex festival in Belgium or whatever. Somebody asked. Uh, one of the um, 
officials, public health officials in, in Belgium or one of these European states, you know, should we, should we close these sex festivals in the bathhouses, you know, for 15 days to slow the spread? And he was like, well, no, that would be discriminatory. We certainly don't want to discriminate against, you know, just make complete fool of, uh, of the public health officials in that in that sense. I, well, they're they're going to use it though. So we've seen the WHO has now coming up with this global pandemic yeah. policy and here's Joe Biden getting on board. So what better thing than- I, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I, I've been, um, well, certainly I don't engage in anal sex, but uh, on the other hand, I've been, in, I've been inoculated with a, a vaccine that works um, for smallpox. I don't know what about the rest of you. They stopped it sort of a little bit. Maybe Gina hasn't because she's young, but- um, I have a smallpox vaccine and that's sterilizing immunity for life. So I, even if it spreads, I don't care. Um, they stopped giving the smallpox vaccine because it was dangerous, not nearly as dangerous as the COVID vaccine, by the way, but that's a whole different story. Um, and now uh, Pfizer has come out, I think, with a new uh, smallpox vaccine that they want to uh, push. I don't know. It's it's not it's a non-story that's being made hysterical by the usual suspects. But will they succeed? Will they succeed in getting people hysterical? I, I think they need uh, uh, my honest opinion. I don't know about other countries, but my honest opinion is this country needs a few years off from the whole medical hysteria for people to forget um, before because we're you know we're all done. I, I don't know a single okay, person who's Billy not just complete. Billy just brought yeah. masks back to its schools. So again, talking about it. I mean, we're done, but they're not done. I, I don't think they totally let go of the COVID thing. I mean, I think New York was talking about bringing back mask mandates and stuff. So yeah, I was just. Uh, in I, New York. I, I thought we were getting beyond it, but I know I think the people are done, but the government's not quite done. And and this monkeypox, is it just yeah. an attempt to bring something back into the news to scare us? Will it work? Um, God knows what's going to happen in know. November. It's still six months away. But I, well, and they're going to need money to replace all these doses of the COVID vaccine that they've had to toss over the last year. So the pharmaceutical companies got to make money. And if they've got mm. a new vaccine for monkeypox, well, or monkeypox, hot diggity dog, they're good to go. I do think that if it's a bloodbath this December, uh, this November in the election, uh, I, uh, to the extent that if the polls are currently right, would lead me to believe it would be, even though the Republicans are just as bad as the Democrats, I think there would be a lot, there would be a lot of rethinking of the craziness. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I, I, what are they, what are they going to run on at this point that everybody uh, is a white supremacist and, and uh, abortion? Basically, that's what they they have. Yeah, right. abort all the white, so, uh, you know, all the white babies. That's the. That's the <laughs> no, I told my husband <laughs> that I think this whole monkeypox is God sending a plague, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, saying, "Hey, the behavior you're doing is not right." So I'm going to start giving you guys monkeypox. It's like leprosy. Well, play well in the '80s. That was the. Well, well, if someone attempts to give me monkeypox the way the people in Belgium got monkeypox, I think I have a how did the right first to case to, How did the first case start? Allegedly, allegedly. Mm -hmm. You never, it's the media, right? You never know. But allegedly there was a, um, a Nigerian man who traveled to one of these sex um, parties. Party, well, 
a giant, like, you know, you think sex parties like five guys in their apartment building. No, this is hundreds of people all having sex with one another, uh, men and having sex with one another in one of these giant raids. Um, he came from Nigeria. For some reason, he was infected with monkeypox. Um, you, you can get it handling infected monkeys. You can get it eating infected monkey meat, bush meat. Uh, could, he can, ha- could he have had anal sex with a monkey? I didn't say Tina, <laughs> you did not go there. But apparently this Nigerian you know it's very possible. Apparently this Nigerian fellow was quite popular at one of these raves and he spread it to others who spread it to others. And then they all flew to um, their desk, you know, after the, the rave was over, they all flew to Europe and the United States and whatnot. And that's how it and, but apparently there's multiple strains of monkeypox. One, one strain is like uh, 10%, you know, infection fatality rate. And the, uh, I don't think one, that's actually right either, though. But this one's from like West Africa instead of like Central Africa. And this is supposed to be a 3% infection fatality rate. But on the other hand, you know, the care is better nowadays. Um, so maybe that doesn't happen and maybe they, it's been reduced or whatever uh so i i don't think anybody's died from it yet so uh, i think it in africa it's like five percent three percent or ten percent but in the united states or europe it will be a lot less what's that sorry all my old albums of the group named after that disease oh the the monkeys yeah that's right people say what do you have but yeah, I mean, the hysterics are all getting hysterical again. And, and people are like, no, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I, you know. I don't know a lot of people, but like I haven't. No one among my associates are concerned at all about monkeypox. Okay. Brian Stelter might be concerned. I don't know. But, you know, no, no real human being is. Concerned. I thought that was your boy. Not potatoes. Yes. So two days ago, there was a story that the 11th Circuit strikes down main provisions of Florida's social media law. Is anybody following that and knows what was struck down? I did not see that. Yeah, they struck down most of the law that required uh, disclosure of how they're moderating their content and how they're curating their content. That, that they had to, re- they were required to do it in an even-handed way. They couldn't deplatform or or couldn't. Um, uh, push, you know, shadow ban, I guess, any political candidate or any posts that related to political candidates. Um, and the, the court said that these are private actors not acting according to government edict, and the First Amendment protects them. So most of the law was struck down. Not all of it, but most bad of it. News, right? I don't know if it's bad news. I mean, the First Amendment is still an important thing. Um, and having the courts enforce the First Amendment is a good thing. Um, you know, the the problem of these social media companies is is not, I mean, I know that they did a political solution and, you know, DeSantis did the best that he could. Um, you know, maybe they just need, maybe they need different solutions. I mean, they need, you know, at the federal level, 230, pro- not probably, I would say needs to go. I think that, Antitrust action should be considered. Um, I think some sort of unorthodox attempts need to be made. This was an unorthodox attempt. It was a sort of first in the first in the nation attempt at the state level to regulate these guys. Um, just because you get it wrong the first time doesn't mean that you should stop. 
And I think that they should continue trying to figure out ways to, to go after these social media companies. Yes, they're private actors, but I mean, it's sort of like going after, you know, communists or fascists that, that are organizing. You know, yes, they have a First Amendment right to organize, but um, that doesn't mean that the authorities are supposed to just sit there and not do anything about it either. So with touching on social media, so I said that I don't think this deal is going to end up going through with Elon Musk. So over the last few weeks and some of the tweets that you may have seen, are you guys still 100% sure that he's going through with this purchase? I wouldn't say 100% sure, but I'm 90% sure. I think he's going through with it. I don't know if the question is whether I'm going to make my money back. That's all. I mean, <laughs> the question is whether this the price is going to stay fifty four twenty or whether it's going to go down from there. You know, I think I bought it forty eight, so I mean, <laughs> I, I could end up losing money. Uh, but I think it's going to go through. Uh, he had an interesting series of tweets the other day where he he wants to um, hire. You know. It's the, the most aggressive lawyers in the country. It's like, I'm not taking this anymore. If you are a really aggressive lawyer and you're smart and you want to work, call me. I'm like, wow. So we'll see what, whether that happens. Okay. Who else has good stories? I got one left, but I've taken up the whole show. <laughs> not at all. Throw it out there. I can't. You can't. It's about elephants. Oh, we're oh going gosh. From, from Somebody monkeys, wasn't doing something with an elephant, elephant, were they? We're going from monkeys to elephants. This oh, is, no. you know, it, as crazy a story as it is, it, it gets back a little bit to what we're talking about, culture. Um, AP, New York High Court to determine if Bronx Zoo elephant is a person. Ah. Do they want habeas corpus for an elephant? I don't believe this is the first time this stuff has been filed. To my knowledge, if I remember correctly, there was a court in Europe that did give an animal um, certain human rights. And I think if they keep fighting this, I think eventually they're going to get a court to give in. I think and my favorite part of the story is that it's a habeas petition, that they that they are arguing that the animal is being in, unjustly imprisoned uh -huh. by being in a zoo. I just think that's hysterical to me. But, you know, it's not the first time it's been brought up. And I, I do believe somebody won something in Europe on these grounds. And, you know, getting back to the whole God and everything else, if we're just higher animals, how far, how crazy is this? Um, they clearly, can never lock us in our house then, uh, right? They can never quarantine us because if no, they can't put a, an elephant behind bars. If you're specifically uh, I'm the Constitution, if you're on the right, this doesn't apply. So don't even go there, Gina. Well, they want they want to ban the eating of meat, right? So it's a, to battle climate change. So that's the next step, right? You can't eat. Well, you're animals. right. This would be a good claim. So, I bet you by, those elephants can't fart either. I by, bet you that's adding to By the way, be, believe it or not, this reminds me, there was a bill that passed in New Jersey a number of years ago where you're not allowed to eat horse meat. So... You know, what determines which animal is more worthy of protection? Like, you know, because a horse a man could be a woman and a woman could be a man. Why can't an elephant be a person? Well, I'm yeah. going to take the um, I'm going to I'm going to take the, the wacko side here. And uh, I, 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 you know, I, I think that there is the 
sort of widely held view that animals are animals and people are people and there's this wide gulf between them. But I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, I do think that there are animals that are, um, you know, really quite smart. And while they're not people, they are deserving of some protection. So I don't think you have a habeas corpus petition from an elephant, but a pig. Um, what's that? A pig? Aren't um, pigs? Aren't pigs smarter than dogs? I don't, I, I don't know, but I like bacon too much not to care. So not pigs. Um, <laughs> now I have a rule and I have, uh, this is my rule for animals. If the animal has a name, then you can't abuse it. Doesn't have a name, you can eat it. So just don't name the cows well, and pigs. You know, I know if the pig has a name, then you're, yeah. A lot of cows it. have names. That's right. They're milking cows though. There's a difference. Oh, and a lot, of, a lot of people are animals. But I mean, my cats, as you know, who are not around today for some reason, my cats are smarter than most people I run into on the street. So I certainly think they have uh, they have, uh, you know, some sort of rights, whether they uh, uh -huh. have habeas corpus rights. I don't know, but they're certainly smarter than most uh, anyone on CNN. It has anything to do with smart. I mean, you know, comparing an elephant to our president, I don't think we can use smart as a measuring stick. Well. An elephant probably has a better memory than Joe Biden right now. So. Well, you're really going out there on a limb, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Well, if I were a monkey, I'd be on a monkey. <laughs> and you had monkey pox, you'd be way That was out. good, Mike. That was good. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I feel like we need a Rush Limbaugh, you know, animal rights uh, update. What was it? Born Free that he used to? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Born Free. You go, go. Um, so I'll bring on the next animal. You ready? I was going to bring this up at the end. We'll talk. Let's talk about bears. You ready? So right. here, here in New Jersey, um, we're starting to have a growing bear problem, uh, especially here in the suburbs, right around where I am. And normally, you know, in the past, historically, there's always been a bear hunt in New Jersey to try to maintain the population, right? Because logically, we don't want people. Or, you know, we're not talking about the bears, kind of bears right. who are at those raves in Belgium, right? Not okay. not those talking the, about your yeah. black bears. Oh, okay. big. well, yeah, I mean, what yeah, does race have to yeah. do? Well, so <laughs> apparently there was one right in my neighborhood, right around my block uh, yesterday. So I don't really want to have to be worried about popping out my front door or mowing my lawn or barbecuing and having to deal with a black bear. But thanks to the animal rights wackos which of course includes our governor, Phil Murphy, who looks like a horse. <laughs> um, they're not allowed to do the bear hunt in New Jersey the way they used to. So now this is why we're having a major, at least I think a growing serious problem here. And in fact, in Sussex County, which is in the no Northwest part of the state where, you know, it's more common to have bears and usually where the bear hunt takes place, there was somebody who was mauled, a 30-something-year-old woman was mauled recently. So on a serious note, I really don't uh, like the idea of my kids being outside and suddenly uh, encountering a black bear. But that's that's what we have, thanks to the animal rights. The animals are people. I mean, is there, is there some way to like just get around the bears, like in the hunting mm. area, and then use self-defense against the threat of the bear? Well... <laughs> Maybe, maybe if we tell the bears about the property tax problem in New, in, in New there Jersey, you go. they'll realize that it's unbearable and they won't <laughs> want to be here anymore. We Mike, actually, have, Mike. And they'll go to another state. Mike, There's a very dense county here. 
Fairfax County. And we not only have bears, but there was mountain lion seen in the area too. And let, let's be honest, the trash thing with bears is, is serious, but if you cover your trash, put it in a trash can, and you don't like mess with the bear, the best bear tends not to mess with you. And the same thing with mountain lions, they're not gonna hurt you unless you do something particularly stupid. Um, so maybe it's well, evolution in action, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know what the woman who Do you want to take that chance, though? Well, in do you, do you want to take that can, chance, Ed? In Virginia, we can open carry. But in New Jersey, you're just going to feed them to the bears. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Bear food in New Jersey, but in Virginia, we'll be fine. Well, Mike, I think to me, you're making an interesting point, because if the judge rules the elephant as a person, then we will go back and say we want taxes and elephant maybe make a lot of money in the zoo. They can give him NIL rights like the answer. Yeah. Poor Dumbo, you know, he, he needs to get paid. Well, why is I don't, I, I don't, <laughs> Yeah, I'm far out on a limb here. All right. Everybody gets last licks here, folks. Who didn't talk about what they wanted to talk about? Well, let me just add the, the one point going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Just have to call out Beto O'Rourke for being the loser of the week at this point, for trying to, for crashing a press conference literally less than 24 hours after this tragedy and trying to score political points. I mean, what a, what a loser. As loser. if we didn't know he was a loser yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Yep. I would have liked to see somebody have just rushed up and tackled him to the ground. That just would have made it better. Would have been very Texan of them. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to see, like, I can't think of her name, but she's an actor. She used to be on that show, Mike and Molly. And she's a heavier set lady. And she's done, like, all these kind of comedy police movies. But somebody like her just coming up and just taking them out. That would have been just classic. Violence is never the answer. It's just a hug. Oh, it's a bear. Okay. It's a bear hug. Then they just happen to fall. That's all. Ed Powell, can you bring up the uh, level of this conversation a little bit? No, actually, I could. Uh, uh, Beto was my thing, so Mike stole. Mike stole my. Uh, Mike stole my thing, so I, I don't have anything other than to say, um, cats are people. You Beto, you Beto, you bet. Yeah, cats oh. are people. That's what I got. Ed Maslis, you're the last great hope. Well, Mike, you asked earlier, what are the Democrats going to run on? And I think today, this afternoon, the Fed raised interest rates another half point. Um, it's not going to do anything to stop inflation because inflation is eight and a half percent, even on the government's numbers. It's probably a, close to double that uh, in real terms. But three percent inflation, three percent interest rates are not going to do anything to eight and a half percent inflation. Uh, other than crash the economy and uh, and crash the world economy too and create a liquidity crisis. And I think that's what's going on. I think that, you know, I've been saying this for, for over a year now, and I think we're, we're approaching the end game. I think we're going to have some major events happening this summer. Uh, you know, just in the last few days, we've had talk about, you know, uh, Biden was asked about Taiwan and he, you know, dispensed with our our policy of strategic ambiguity and said, yes, we would fight to defend Taiwan. And 
The White House then, you know, the rest of the White House had to walk those comments back. Um, there's been talk that the that the Chinese elites have been told to to divest of foreign investments, uh, which suggests, although doesn't prove that they're planning something that they expect potentially could be sanctioned the way Russia's invasion of Ukraine got sanctions imposed on them. Um, so I, I think that I think we're in, in the process of, of starting a turbulent summer. Um, I, I don't think the issues of the campaign have arisen yet, but I think that they're in the process of being created. Uh, whether there's going to be a, you know, I don't think monkeypox is going to be a big thing because uh, as we discussed earlier, it's really a, a transmitted through gay sex. Uh, I think that the gain of function research was hoping for something a little more easily transmissible, but um, you know, the Fed raised rates a half point today and uh, that's going to put a lot of pressure on foreign currencies. The dollar has been strengthening considerably, uh, even while we're having tremendous inflation here. Uh, foreign countries are all still at zero interest rates with, the, with, with treasuries at about 3% right now. You've got a, 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 major, uh, a major incentive for foreigners to be putting money into the U.S. bond market and the stock market to both get higher returns and uh, currency appreciation, which is in turn going to starve the rest of the world of capital. Um, and we're also exporting our inflation uh, as the dollar strengthens and those dollars are chasing foreign goods in, in foreign countries, the price level is going to continue to go up. So I, I think we, we have the recipe of, of some severe economic issues this summer. Uh, I think 2023 is going to be a, an absolutely awful year, but uh, I, I think that the, the Democrats' midterm strategy is foment several crises, hopefully at the same time, and try and exploit them. That's their plan, I think. Um, any chances we really are going to run out of diesel fuel? I hear they're shipping in diesel fuel from the West Coast to the East Coast to alleviate the shortage. I don't know how they're doing it, whether it's by truck or train. My guess is by train. But um, that's what I've heard. But are we at risk of literally running out? Well, yeah, sure, of course. Well, and I locally, think that's the goal. Know, locally right? running I mean, out, locally. Biden, Biden's whole, you know, Biden even said a couple of days ago that uh, this is a, a, what was his words? That this is a great transition. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not interested mm. in, in making sure we get more energy. He's interested in using this crisis to transition us away from energy. So... Um, I, I think that, you know, to the extent that they're going to ship fuel from the West Coast to the East Coast, I, I think that's just talk. I mean, maybe they'll do some, but I think that the, their main goal is to starve us of energy and, and to make us do, rely on other forms of energy. So is there a point at which we do the, you know, we're mad as hell, not going to take it, or is there nothing anybody can do anyway? I think that's the, the, the real open question about everything. That's the open question about COVID. That's the open question about the economy. When are the American people, and specifically people on the right, going to say, we're not going to take this anymore? You're not going to push us around, and we're not going to, we're not your servants. You serve us. We don't serve you. And right now, there's, there's very little fight on the right. And, you know, I've said on this show many times that. A big reason for the lack of fight on the right is the Republican Party stands in the way of any kind of fight emerging. 
but it's more than just the Republican Party. I mean, where, you know, where are our committees of correspondence? Where are our Minutemen? Where are our, you know, people, the grassroots that are, that begin to organize, like, you know, like our fearless leader who talks about secession every time you give him a, a microphone, you know, not that I'm advocating secession necessarily, but I mean, at least he's trying to do something. I mean, too many people are, are just sitting back. You know, we've, you know, we've got the Biden administration specifically warning us that we're going to have food shortages, fuel shortages, diesel shortages, and just general shortages of goods. And, and people are just yawning. I mean, how hungry are we going to have to be before we do something about it? Right, and you forgot the blackouts that they're predicting in the summer. Right, right. And, and I think that's really the open question. You asked the, the question that, you know, the American people need to, need to answer that question. When are they going to do anything about it? Or are we just going to go quietly and, and lose all of our freedoms you know, I mean, it, the water is starting to boil. Are we just going to let it boil us over? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's not clear. Okay. With that, we'll wrap it up. I, I greatly enjoyed our show. I hope everybody else did. We should be back here next week, four o'clock, regular time. And as always, this will be up as a podcast within about an hour or so. Please send feedback to the conservatarian exchange at libertyblock.com. I did verify that that's my correct address. So, with that, everybody have a wonderful evening and thank you so much.